Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I am so, so excited to share this one with you today with the one and only Adam Klink. I'm sure most of you listening already know who Adam Klink is, but in case you don't, Adam is an athlete, coach, father, and director of community and partnerships for RAD, which is a new up-and-coming shoe brand. In this episode, we talk about Adam's career in CrossFit, becoming the first person to ever back squat 500 pounds and run a sub-five-minute mile, attempting the Leadville 100 Ultra Marathon not once, but two times, how to build a community and leverage that community to build a business, a new and improved way to train for running, how to balance fitness training with a full-time job and a family. I think Adam might be the best example on planet Earth for how to do this, as well as what fitness goals Adam has coming up in the near future, and so much more. This is such a great episode. I know you guys are going to love it, but before we dive too far into it, let's first hear from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Memory Greens. There are so many greens powders out there today, and a lot of them simply don't taste good. A lot of them add artificial flavors, sweeteners, or cheap filler ingredients, and some of them are just so expensive. And that's why I use Memory Greens Plus every single day. It uses all-natural whole foods ingredients like blueberries, apples, spinach, kale, barley, and wheatgrass, and several other all-natural whole food ingredients. The taste is delicious. You can make it hot or cold. I personally think it tastes like tea. Memory Greens Plus is actually one of the only greens powders that has a full serving of leafy greens. It has both pre and probiotics for a healthy gut. It has antioxidants and inflammation reduction for faster recovery from working out. It has antioxidants and inflammation reduction for faster recovery from exercise. It also has coffee fruit, which is a clinically backed ingredient for brain health. Memory Greens comes in three different tasty flavors, blueberry plus green tea, lemongrass plus lavender, and wildberry plus hibiscus. I can confirm that all three of them are delicious. I've been taking this stuff every day for the past few months and I feel amazing. My gut health is great. I have more focus and mental energy. Plus, I have peace of mind knowing that I'm getting all those important micronutrients that you get from Leafy Greens. If you're interested in trying Memory Greens, use my code Jeremy to save 15% at yourmemory.com. This episode is sponsored by Prevenex. There are so many vitamin and supplement companies these days that it's hard to know which companies are actually legit. And that is exactly why I use and recommend Prevenex. Prevenex uses clinically tested and proven ingredients in every single one of their products. They also use pharmaceutical grade manufacturing. There is literally no higher quality of vitamins and supplements. And not only does Prevenex make top of the line clinically tested products, but they are also super philanthropic. For every Prevenex purchase, they deliver one bottle of their children's multivitamin to the most at-risk, in-need children around the world. So not only are you taking care of your own health, but you're also helping children across the world in need. I've personally been taking their products every day for the past few months, and I can really tell a difference when I'm consistent with it. Some of my favorite Prevenex products are the multivitamin, joint health, immune health, and the muscle health supplements. It goes without saying that your nutrition should be founded on high quality whole foods, but sometimes we miss essential micronutrients in our daily diets, and that's where vitamins and supplements like Prevenex can come into play. If you're interested in trying out Prevenex or you need a restock, make sure to use code JMiller for 15% off your order at Prevenex.com. This episode is sponsored by Switchback. Switchback is a community brand that my friend Brock and I started working on earlier this year. We we're both searching for a high quality electrolyte product without all the garbage like sugar and artificial sweeteners. And we also wanted something that had a more effective ingredient profile where you didn't have to take several servings in order to get the right dosage. So we set out to formulate our own. Each serving of electrolytes has a thousand milligrams of sodium, which 
helps to reduce headaches, keep you properly hydrated throughout the day, prevents bonking and cramping during a race or a hard workout. It also has 400 milligrams of potassium, which also helps to prevent cramping and proper hydration. We also added in 500 milligrams of coconut water powder, which is a great source of natural electrolytes. It also helps with the flavoring of the product. And another addition that we made was estrogen. This is a compound that helps with nutrient and vitamin absorption. We've never seen electrolyte supplements add this in there, and we think that it can really make a big difference. And the science is there to back that up. Switchback is also free from any added sugars. We use stevia to sweeten it. But aside from a high-quality electrolyte product, we also wanted to build a community and provide a place for individuals to connect with other like-minded people through the common interest of health, wellness, and running. We'll also be partnering with group runs all throughout the country. We've already had several meetups here in Austin, Texas, but we really want to be the fuel source for all of those memory-making moments, which often happen at those group runs. We've had some really, really amazing feedback from everybody so far on the flavor, the ingredients, the design, and the community aspect of everything. You guys can check us out at goswitchback.co to shop our electrolytes as well as find out where our next group run will be but again go switchback.co go check us out this episode is also sponsored by two before performance nutrition two before is by far one of my favorite running supplements i take it every single day and especially before big races or big running workouts two before played a crucial part in me hitting my 244 marathon pr at the chicago marathon in october earlier this year if you're not familiar with two before they are a new zealand based company that creates some of the highest quality black currant powder on the market the black currant berries that they use are grown in new zealand soil which gives their benefits an extra boost black currant berries have been proven scientifically to increase endurance speed up muscle recovery and strengthen immunity i take two before every morning about 30 to 60 minutes before before my runs, and it tremendously helps with my recovery, my performance during the workouts, as well as strengthening my immune system. Like I mentioned, this is truly one of my favorite running supplements, and I would recommend it to anybody looking to improve their health and fitness journey. You can use my code JMiller for $10 off your order at 2before.com. Again, that is JMiller, J-M-I-L-L-E-R, for $10 off your order at 2before.com. And without further ado, here is the one and only Adam Clink. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Miller. Every week, I chat with fascinating people from all walks of life in order to bring you knowledge, inspiration, and insight. If you enjoy the show, you can support it by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with a friend. This is the Jeremy Miller Podcast. Adam Clink, quite possibly the world's fittest human being. <laughs> I'm not claiming that title at all. You're probably the fittest person I know. So that's something. Maybe a couple of years ago. <laughs> not I'm, anymore. I'm, I'm old and broken now. <sighs> Dude, when when was your peak, like your prime, you think? I feel like around like 30, 30. was like my prime for my yeah. fitness. How old are you now? 34. I'll be 35. Oh, this year. dude, you stuck out it. Kipchoge, I mean, you're not run, trying to run marathons, but he's like 37, 38. Yeah, I know, but he doesn't have three kids. Yeah. I don't think. And he's not 220 pounds or yeah. whatever he weighs. <laughs> yeah, only 220 pounds. <laughs> dude, um, have you always been like just crazy fit, dude? Like fr- from the time you were born, like playing sports, all this. Like how, how did you get into all this? Yeah, I I would say yes. Not like humbly yes. And I played soccer growing up. That was my primary sport. And I think the reason I was fit, one, was my dad really instilled in me that like, anything you want in life, you have to work hard. 
And then I just remember on all of my sports teams, usually my soccer team, but I played basketball, I played football, I ran track. I made it like my personal goal to be the fittest person on the team because I was never like the most talented. Mm. I like earned my starting spots because of how hard I worked. So I remember like vividly in college, um, which is I, I feel like where I built like really the foundation of my fitness. It was like, I will not lose a single fitness test my four years in college. And so I did that. And I think that just like laid the foundation of my work ethic. Yeah. I think that's why I was able to play division one soccer. Cause I was actually, I was a goalkeeper and I was the second shortest goalkeeper in like in the league. Dang. So again, like I was never the most talented. I never had like physically the attributes that a team needed in a position like that for a sport, but like I made up for it with hard work and yeah. I was like, I'm going to rely on my hard work to get me to where I want to go. And so I think that's just yeah. how I like naturally <laughs> like operated at a high fitness level. And then post soccer, as I got into CrossFit, you're a product of your surroundings, right? Yeah. And so right out of college, I was the head coach of a gym and the owner was Ben Smith who won the CrossFit games in 2015. Mm. So like you just like naturally when you're surrounded by people of that fitness level and hard workers of that caliber, like you have no other choice, but to like be decently fit. Right. right. Dude. What do you think? Like, uh, like in high school, college, like what was motivation really? Like, is it just because you were smaller? Like, it, like you just you didn't have the natural yeah. talents so you had to work harder yeah and like ultimately like every kid's dream like i wanted to play professional sports like my goal was yeah. to play in the mls now unfortunately my career got cut short due to concussions oh really yeah i got a ton of concussions even as a goalie like just taking yeah. balls to the head it or? wasn't everybody's like yeah did you get like balls to the head no it was like collisions like coming oh. out for like a 50 50 ball um i started off in high school with a really bad concussion i slid out for a ball kid was in the act of shooting and his knee hit me in the temple oh and i woke up in the hospital that night i lost my short-term memory i dropped out of school and so every concussion i've gotten since the first one the doctor's like uh you should maybe think about Jeez. like <laughs> your future um and my senior year i got two like back to back i was the starter so they kind of were rushing me back to play i got another one and the doctors are finally like look like if you want any sort of quality of life, like yeah. you've got to, you've got to look out for your health and you should probably stop Dude. playing. So, but, but again, like that was my dream was to play professional soccer. And when that dream got cut short, that's why I found CrossFit because I was like, oh, this is another area of fitness where I can make a name for myself yeah. and compete without getting knocked in the head to these dogs man don't chill out here. no they're great they're uh, like my kids sorry oh yeah as long you're used to it you got you got plenty of chaos in your house yeah, jeremy sent me a text and he was like hey i have two crazy dogs are you okay with that and i was like jeremy i have two <laughs> psychotic dogs and three kids this is going to be a vacation yeah. <laughs> what uh what kind of dogs do you have i didn't realize you had dogs too i don't post about them much they're both mutts we rescued them okay, nice. they're a mix of a bunch of stuff um it's funny people always say that like i don't know you had dogs when you when you're like single or newly married and you have dogs they're your babies yeah and then you have children and then your dogs become dogs <laughs> and that's where we're at in life right yeah. now like they're dogs yeah we're still in the stage of these are our babies yeah they're literally i treat them like children you'll get you'll get there Dude. they'll be like sleeping not in your bed here before too long <laughs> yeah um 
Damn. And you were like pretty early to the CrossFit days, I feel like. Yeah, earlier, like CrossFit popped up onto the scene. Not many people really knew who it knew what CrossFit was like 2005, 2006, but I started competing in 2012. Okay, yeah. So fairly early. I saw, I was looking up uh, your stats from back in the day. I yeah. saw you were, I think it was 2014. Was that your best year? No. Really? I. <laughs> it's funny. And again, this kind of speaks to like the hard work mentality, very little skill. Like I could always make it to like the regional level, but mm -hmm. I never did great there because at that level, they're throwing in more like high skill gymnastics movements. And yeah. I always like struggle with those. But no, my best year was 2018. I was two spots away from making the CrossFit Games. Oh, really? Yep. Damn. Because I saw, maybe I, I don't know how CrossFit Oh, I know, works. I know what you saw. <laughs> well, I saw it was, uh, you're like ranked 130th. Oh, yeah. In 2014 out of like 110,000 people. That sounds right. Yeah, no, that was the highest ranking I saw. Sure, yeah. And as the sport grew, right, like still percentage-wise, I was probably right. in the same spot or even higher. But because there's more people, I may have been that makes 150th, 200th, and it didn't okay. look as high. But yeah, how, how does that process work to get to the CrossFit Games? I know nothing about CrossFit. Sure, yeah. So there's stages. So there's the Open, which anybody in the world can sign up and do. You'd go to your local gym or you film yourself in your garage. You do the Open and... Now there's quarterfinals. So the top 25% from the open move on to the quarterfinals, which is online as well. You have a weekend where you do five workouts and then the top, however many, I think it's like, it's small, like 20 in each region from around the world oh, wow. qualify and go to regionals. So you've now narrowed it down from like three, 400,000 people. You'll have a hundred thousand people in quarterfinals. Then you'll have like 300 people in total in all the regionals and then the crossfit games are typically the top 40 men and top 40 women in the world jeez and you were two spots away from making it to the games at one point in my life dude 2018 <laughs> so you were essentially like 42nd and uh so that, i was, I was seventh in my region so oh, again I see. okay you can do all the different sort of like stat comparisons right. from other regions and okay. stack people up so like i can't necessarily say i was 42nd but i was right. like in the range of like probably 40th to 60th yeah was that year your strongest year in terms of like what you could lift uh yeah i'd say so and it, it's one of those things right you show up to regionals and there's seven workouts i think and it's like some workouts are going to play in your favor some workouts aren't but that's like the whole methodology of crossfit is like being good at everything and not having like many weaknesses and a lot of people at like the regional stage would have like some weaknesses, right. right? Like anything upside down on my hands was a big weakness of mine. So in 2018, actually, the first event was was called the Triple Three. It was an endurance event, and I I won that one. And then the second event was a workout called Linda, which was deadlifts, bench press, and squat cleans. And I got second in that one, so I finished day one in first place. Damn. Third event was handstand walking over ramps like steps oh and ramps gosh. and I got second to last. Oh no. And then I was just trying to hang on and do for dear yeah. life and I didn't quite make it, but that's just kind of like the nature of the game. Like yeah. some of CrossFit is dependent on what workouts show up. Right. And that's why as CrossFitters, you like train for everything. You train different elements every day. Some workouts might have an, a cardiovascular component and a lifting component or a gymnastics component, or you might be swimming. Um, that's why I say like CrossFitters, are probably the the like OG hybrid athletes. Oh, definitely. But then this hybrid athlete has like yeah. <laughs> taken its own form where it's funny being a CrossFitter, 
I actually don't really like the name hybrid athlete. Like I don't like I'm a CrossFitter. Yeah. Like I do CrossFit and the, like CrossFit has given me the base to accomplish whatever physical feats I wanted to. It wasn't because I just like ran and lifted that I could go out and run a five minute mile and back squat 500 pounds. Like CrossFit got me pretty close to that. So then just with some like focused training on those two areas, I could hit it. Um, But it's funny, I would say like hybrid athletes are like unskilled CrossFitters. Yeah, They can't do all of the (laughs) like gymnastics and things like that. They just like can go and run and lift in the gym and so they call themselves hybrid athletes yeah it's uh it's weird i hate using that term i never use that but i fall in like we fall into that because we run and lift and that's just like what everybody associates hybrid training as now oh crossfit's definitely like you take a crossfitter versus somebody who deems themselves uh, a hybrid athlete like i think pretty much no matter what you put them in the crossfitter is probably gonna win yeah i mean the only thing they're probably gonna struggle with is like if you put them in like a marathon i was gonna say type like endurance like crossfitters endurance is obviously relative but like endurance for crossfitters is maybe like the hour range right after you're doing something like past the hour range like they're gonna do okay they're gonna hang in there and like i would argue that any crossfitter can just like on any given day sign up and go run a marathon right which is what i did a week ago and i did <laughs> oh, yeah right and it wasn't fast but like you can yeah. do it yeah you know what i'm saying like the point of crossfit is like you can go out and do anything and like somewhat hold your own right you're probably not going to be the best thing or the best at any one thing in particular but you can do the but ev- you'll be everything solid good yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah it's like, i mean like you're not going to outlift a power lifter because that's <laughs> all they do is power it's lift. the art of being not specialized yeah right it's like you're going to walk into any powerlifting gym and get out squatted by pretty much anybody in there but like it'll be you'll still be respectable right. and you'll go out and run with a track club and like you're going to get outrun by everybody there probably, but like you'll be able to like hold your own and do the workout. Right. Yeah. But you're going to do way better in the run than the power lifter would. Right. And you're going to be way stronger in lifting than the runner would. Yeah. I I saw somebody post the other day. They're like, be stronger than the runners and be faster than the lifters. Right. That's like pretty simple way to put it. Simple. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How did the, uh, like soccer high school and even like, even like college, soccer how did that translate into crossfit was it like a big learning curve or did it were you like kind of naturally decent at some of that stuff well because i got into crossfit so early you could be like a very athletic college athlete and learn a couple of the movements and pretty much make regionals that was back in the day you can't do that now right um freaks out there yeah so it it translated very well and a piece that i didn't uh, that i left out was i built a lot of my strength because i went to college for five years and I was the undergrad goalkeeper coach at Rutgers. But during that time, the football team took me in and I lifted every day with the football team too. So like I developed like playing soccer all my life. I had this very, very strong base in endurance and running. Even though I was a goalkeeper, again, I took pride in like winning the fitness tests. I won, I would win the three mile test and we would have like different running tests and the beep tests. But then I also for a year like got really, really strong and I think I got up to like 235 pounds before I started CrossFit. Dang. So uh, it was just a really good blend of like strength and I'll say endurance, not yeah. like endurance like we think of like an ultra marathon, but like I could run. Um, and so like when we can talk about this, but when Dave Castro put out the challenge of the back squat and mile, I was like, oh, like if anybody can do this, I can do this. Cause this is like what I did my whole life. Like this is, these are like my two bread and butter movements that I'm, I'm good yeah. at. Just Yeah. I definitely want to talk about that. So he put out that, I remember 
uh, I've seen the video of him saying it or wherever he said it. He's like, that's going to be like the the peak of CrossFit or something along the lines, right? Of, of like, that's when we know CrossFit's like taken over and somebody can actually do that. Yeah. So the history of that challenge was Dave Castro wrote a book. So Dave Castro is the director of the CrossFit Games. He wrote a book called Constructing the CrossFit Games, which essentially gave people like an in to his thinking as to how he programmed the workouts and designed the CrossFit games. And in the book, there was a section where he was he was debating if anybody, if any of the CrossFit athletes in the field could mm. run a sub five minute mile and back squat 500 pounds in the same day. And there was like the debate, like could any of these athletes do it? Like this would be like the pinnacle achievement of any of these CrossFit athletes. So this was put out in 2017. And when it kind of like just popped out into social media and I got like the, I, I sniffed it. I was like, oh, I think I can do this. <laughs> However, I was like in the height of my training. So if you put all of your marbles into like say running or squatting, you're not working on a lot of other elements of fitness. And because I was competing, I never like had the eight weeks to put in to like accomplish this goal. And so I think in 2018, I like trained for a couple of weeks and I got close. I hit like a 500 pound back squat and a 515 mile. And then I was like, okay, it was time to train and get ready for the season. I didn't have like a couple extra weeks to get, right. cause any, any runner knows that like shaving 15 seconds off an already fast mile is not like shaving 15 seconds off a slow mile. Yeah. It's way harder. Yeah, when you're already close to, to redlining yeah right like it's a it's a bigger percentage of the time spent running so it's right. harder to take those seconds off i didn't have the time needless to say I didn't have the time um got into the competition season i think i went like you know two years and it wasn't until covid and i had the time is when i like really made a go of it because what happened was every year there was a cross the season we trained for it we went through the season that would take up all of our time and then like boom that season was canceled. So we were all left like, what do we do? <laughs> and it was kind of cool timing. CrossFit Dang. was going through like a, a struggling time, I guess. So this was in, this three years, just over three years ago, I did this, uh, three and a half years ago. But that was the time where CrossFit was taking a lot of hits with the stuff going on around Greg Glassman, oh, yeah. around the whole George Floyd stuff and like CrossFit was like getting hit left and right with some stuff. I remember hearing about some of that. Nothing was going on. There were no competitions. So when I did this, it was like perfect timing. Like, right. Like it probably should not have blown up like it did in the big scheme of things. You know what I'm saying? Like I mean, it's a crazy accomplishment. I mean, I guess so. But I, like what I'm saying is it like took off way past my wildest dreams because there was nothing going on yeah. and it was like crossfitters and the crossfit community needed something to like cheer for and like hey look we did something cool <laughs> we did something right <laughs> so like a lot of people got behind it and right. shared it and it became like this like cool accomplishment in the crossfit space when things were like going downhill for crossfit so that's sick. i think that's why it blew up a little bit more than it yeah. did um but like i never set out to accomplish that goal to like make a name for myself. Right. Like I was like past that in my career. I'm just a very goal oriented person. And I like get more out of my training, feel better about myself. Like if I have a goal that I set and it was right. like the goal that was set for the year got taken away. So I needed a new goal and that was just it. And I just, it was finally time where I, I told myself like, all right, I want to prove myself that I can do this squatting 
But which part was harder, the squat or the run? The run, the hands run. down. And the thing is, I don't think you're going to find a smaller athlete who's fast yeah. be able to build up the strength to hit the back squat in any reasonable amount of time. And to put that in perspective, when I started CrossFit, I had a 425-pound back squat. Still great, right? Like, it took me six years to build that back squat up to a 500-pound back squat. Jeez. Six years. Granted, I'm training different modalities and things like that. And like right. my focus shifts like as soon as I get strong on something, I'm focused on something else. But you're not going to take somebody who can already run a five-minute mile and has a 350-pound back squat. Like they're not going to get strong enough yeah. to, one, keep their speed on the mile and then hit the back squat. So you're looking at an athlete who's going to be bigger, probably in the 200-pound range, who can already squat in the upper end of 400 yeah. pounds probably already has the squat so like i i had i've hit that weight so i kind of had the squat and my mile wasn't terrible at the time when i did like a road time on my watch mile i ran like a 543 so the mile was pretty close i had run a sub five in high school so i like knew oh, really? it was possible yeah granted that was like 40 pounds lighter <laughs> um sub five is fast Oh, tell me about it. But needless to say, the mile was like everything I had. It was it was like, I think when you look at like what's hard, there's like the going out and running Leadville, like that's hard. And it's like a, un, like you can't escape the pain kind of thing. This was yeah. like a all out, like I think I might die kind of, <laughs> kind of pain yeah. for like five minutes. Yeah. Uh, but like up until that point, like that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Was really? run that sub five minute mile, dude. I uh, yeah, miles are hard because it's 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 more of a physical account, like Leadville or something. It's more of a mental challenge, yeah. I think. Like obviously physically challenging too, point, but yeah. uh, yeah, the the mile is like, I mean, that's like your peak physical ability, really. Yeah, and it's like you're almost training like your ability to increase your lactic acid threshold. Yeah, it's still like I I people say like mile. They take the back squat and mile and they're like, they're two ends of the extreme. You have like your strength and your power and your endurance. But I still think the mile is considered, you're still in like your power output yeah. phase of your running. Like five minutes is not a long time. There's a there's a point, which is lap three, where it kicks in where you like <laughs> have to make that like decision yeah. in your head. Like, am I going to pull back and I'm not going to hit this or am I going to just like send it and go? But it's 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 definitely less endurance, right? Like, especially being, I was like 216 pounds and like, I had to be strong to run yeah. that mile at my weight. 216. Yeah. Dude. 216 yeah. And the pounds. mile, it's like, it's still aerobic enough that you have to have endurance to do it. So it's sure. Yeah. There's it's, an it really is. It's, There's it's short enough that like, you know, you have to be a skinny marathon runner, Yeah. but it's long enough. You do have to have that endurance. Dude, has there been anybody else that's done that? Yeah. So there was a guy, named fergus crawley oh, in the uk yeah, yeah. and he actually hit it shortly after us because i think he caught like wave that we were doing it yeah and um he's a stud yeah he's strong and he's he's smaller but he's still like i think he's like 200 pounds um but he has like a power lifting background mm. and he hit that shortly after and then there have been like maybe two or three people who have like heard did it but like they don't have it well documented mm. Or their like squat was like pretty high. Yeah, dude, your squat is so insane I don't, to watch. So I don't. So I don't. I don't know like if you count those, but yeah. I honestly thought more people would have done it by now. But then I think 
to like the world pick back up and like everything's yeah. there's like actual competitions. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's such a like and niche thing to train for. It's so it's so niche. But like, it's like the fact that nobody can just come off the couch and do that. Like you have to you have to train for that specific. You do right. Like and like now, if I were to like, I would have to train a lot to like hit that again. What do you think you're at now? Squat and, and mile. Uh, my mile. So in doing all the endurance and all of the miles at 839 minute pace for like thousands of miles yeah. in the past two years. Like I definitely don't have the fast twitch. I think I could, I would clip like six or just under a six minute mile right now. You really Probably think that's all, all you could do you think? At this, bro, I'm heavy right now. What are you at right now? I'm like 224. Okay. But I could probably hit 485 to 500 pounds on my yeah. squat. So it wouldn't be far off, but like, Again, I know yeah. firsthand that like going from a six to a five minute mile is a lot. And like, I would have to, tr- like, yeah. you have to train for that. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Dude, I, I think my squats, like, I think the heaviest I've ever done is like 315. Like, that's why, that's why I'm like, I'll just do the deadlift because I could get the deadlift for and sure. That, and I think that's like it, what, what I did there was it kind of just like put this idea for people to set a goal and go chase it yeah and like train two ends of the spectrum in fitness and that's why i think a lot of the people who are maybe smaller and on the running end like yourself like a 500 pound deadlift is like nothing to like bat an eye at that's still super impressive but i can argue you you can probably pull 500 pounds with bad form and not like you know use your back a a little bit and it doesn't require like the technique and the pure leg strength that a squat does and which is but it's still like impressive in its own right for people to deadlift 500 pounds and run but i think it was a little bit more attainable for like the smaller runner type uh audience but anyways it's been like so cool for me to see people like chase whatever their goals are and it was funny everybody wanted to like know how i trained for that so i was like i'll write all the running and squatting workouts in an ebook and i remember at the time i was like (laughs) I didn't know how to write an e- like make an ebook. <laughs> I'm like the least tech savvy person you'll meet, and so I put it out there like I need help. And this guy who did he did he like did the media for Coachella. He was like I'll do it oh, for well. you, and I was like okay. He knows what he's doing, and he was like yeah, it'll be you know fifty bucks an hour. Probably take me ten hours, five hundred bucks. And I was like five hundred bucks. I was like what? <laughs> this point in my life, like you know, our bank account was small, and like five hundred bucks was a lot, but. It's crazy how it took off, right? Yeah. That like that little investment. I, I've like, I don't know, 100x that Yeah. since then with people just like buying the book yeah. because they want to set their own goals and they want like some like proper programming. And I made it intentionally where it's like 30 to 45 minutes work a day and it like fits everybody's schedule. You can layer it on to whatever else you're training for. Right. Um, but it's been cool to see. That's cool. Dude, what do you think? Uh, I'd love to see somebody do like a sub four mile with like a 400 pound squat. Do you think that's possible? Or maybe I feel like I've seen people do maybe like a 600 pound squat with a sub six mile. Something about the sweet spot. I don't is like know. That five I don't five. know that I've seen either or I definitely haven't seen the four minute mile yeah. and the squat. I don't know if that's because that you're that talking, you're talking about like <laughs> your 130 pound runners that's running the sub four. Yeah. And like mm. a 600 pound squat is like, <laughs> You're doing some damage to your body. Like, right. I don't know if you're running a six minute mile. Yeah. I can't say I've seen either of those. The five and 500, one, it like looks pretty. Yeah. On paper. Yeah. 
Yeah, something about it. And it was there's there's yeah, you're right. It was that sweet spot. But there were also 50 pull-ups in there. So it was like five. Oh, I forgot you did five fifty, five hundred. Five fifty five. Was the pull-ups just was like screw it? Like why not? Yeah, well, <laughs> he put it in there because he wanted to create this like triangle of the elements of fitness. And oh. it was like the gymnastics, the endurance, and the strength. And so to complete that triangle was fifty unbroken pull-ups. It was CrossFit. They were kipping. I snuck that I mean, in. I could. I that. snuck that in like the credits of my video. <laughs> I was like, if you want to watch as you can, but like you can also look away. Um, but being like a regional caliber CrossFit athlete, like yeah. pretty much all those athletes can do fifty pull ups. So that wasn't like a piece I really had to train for. And you still have to have the upper body strength for that. And I say I didn't have to train for it, right? Like I spent ten years developing yeah. that skill. Yeah. So what's your like all time favorite exercise? Is it squats? It's definitely squats. It's like, if I could do one exercise the rest of my life, it would probably be a back spot, back squat in terms of a lift, right? If it was like, what's one thing fitness wise that you could do for the rest of your life, it'd probably be running. But I think that like squatting is so foundational to every other movement. I mean, yeah. it's like, Yes, you're using a lot of lower body and legs, but you have to learn how to brace yourself. There's balance involved. There's body positioning. There's mobility. Like there's so many elements to just a basic back squat that yeah. I think it's like is the, that, the king of all lifts. Is that your best lift? Would you say like in terms of probably compared to other people your probably size? Probably depends who you're comparing me to, I guess. <laughs> what about other people that are like, you know, two two. 15 to 220. Yeah. So like in the crosser space, like yeah. I had one of the top back squats. Nowadays, people's numbers are getting crazy. And like there would be a handful of people that are squatting that. But like five, seven years ago, like there was maybe like one other person touching that number in a back Jeez. squat in like CrossFit. Damn. Who is ever, reputable. Yeah. Do you ever deadlift? Uh-huh. Is that deadlifts don't play a huge role in CrossFit. Uh, like, I know for that- CrossFit, it's a little bit more like deadlifting for volume and workouts. Mm-hmm. Like every once in a while you'll max out your deadlift in like a competition setting but it's usually like you got to be able to move 315 or even 405 in workouts for reps yeah um along with other movements and it's also one of those things i view deadlift as like the risk reward factor for increasing your deadlift past a certain point like as long as you can manage the weights well in workouts it's like i don't really have a reason to increase my deadlift I think I, the most I pulled is like 575 a few times. And I was like, I don't really need to like <laughs> chase 600 pounds and like risk injuring myself. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of- Who like were you lifting with? It's like a year or two ago. It was a female powerlifter, I think. Oh, Amanda Lawrence. Yeah. And I think I saw you just rip like 515, like probably not really training deadlift a whole lot at the time. <laughs> yeah. We no, we both hit 545, but she's a freak. I mean, that's okay. She, she's like- the world champion power lifter like five times world champion and like the next best female is like a hundred pounds off of her Jeez. like her total or something like it's like it's like she's like the champion and it's not even close between first and second place damn but she That's crazy <laughs> we de- she deadlifted just as much as i did and american? i'm a good and i'm a good deadlifter in yeah. the sport yeah she's american she's in minnesota okay yeah, dude, that's <laughs> wild. I mean, there's the fact that you can like go out and pull five five forty five deadlift. But that's the point across it, right? Yeah, is exactly. to be able, be able to like, yeah. and that was like, I you know, I got the role at BPN. I went from being a coach to a partnerships manager, having no experience. But like, my goal in that position was to be able to like relate, hang, chat with, work mm-hmm. out with anybody, and CrossFit allowed me to do that, right? So like when 
our world champion powerlifters came to HQ to work out. Like I could work out with them, and it wasn't we weren't like using two separate barbells. Yeah. And when our runner came, like I could go out and I could run with them, and so forth. So that's that, powerful. Like, yeah, that like really helped me build the connections working for a brand like that because I could like step in. There's something about like shared suffering doing the same sort of fitness together. Yeah. And so that was like a great, great piece that I had. Yeah. Have you always been like in the community partnership? Like have you always had a passion for that side of things? Yeah. So taking it back to when I started CrossFit, I got into CrossFit because like I wanted to make a name for myself. And the thing when you leave college is you got to have a job too. Like yeah. you got to be making money. <laughs> and there's really no money in like CrossFit. There is now, but it's like you have to be the best of the best. Right. And so I took a job coaching and being a head coach. And while I went into the sport wanting to like, quote, be famous, um, I quickly developed a deep love and passion for coaching and helping people. And I did that for eight years. So much to the point where like, I attribute myself never quite making the CrossFit games because I wasn't willing to sacrifice my job, my family, the things I was doing professionally to put the time in to get a little bit further in the sport. And like, I was okay with that. Um, but that then bled over, started having kids. When you're a CrossFitter coach, some of your money is like sponsorships. And I was like, man, I'm getting older. I don't know how long these sponsorships are going to last. Like... <laughs> So the opportunity came for me to join BPN and move my family out there and like have a sure salary was like very appealing. It also gave my wife the ability to stay home and take care of the kids mm -hmm. for a couple of years. Like we felt like that was a very yeah. valuable time in their development. And like if she could do that for a couple of years and then go find something she's passionate doing, doing sweet. But it was like the perfect blend. Like I didn't, view myself as like the community guy or community manager at the gym like that's what i did though like mm -hmm. i led classes i coached four to six hours every single day classes with 10 to 30 people i would coach classes on saturday with 100 plus people um we put on charity competitions and people from all over the country would come and compete and so like i was doing that but it was just because i loved to do it it wasn't like a job right it's cool that it evolved into my job and there's a need for that for companies, um, which has led me to where I am now with Rad. It's like I'm doing the same thing. I'm working with athletes and building the community because I think what's so valuable to a brand is to have a face and a voice. And when I say community, I mean like regularly activating in person through events, workouts, yeah, pop-ups, things like that. And so it's it's really cool to like do that for a brand now and yeah. get paid for it. That's so sick. <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, did you know much about the shoe industry when you started working for Rad? Or is this like all kind of new? So the shoe industry is definitely new. However, like I'm a quote sneakerhead. like, Oh yeah. Oh, like <laughs> man, in high school and college, the amount of Jordans I had, I mean, I had hundreds of pairs of shoes. And unfortunately as a college kid, especially an athlete, you don't have time for a job. You're not making money. So I sadly sold so many pairs of shoes. I wish, wish I still had, but I've always like loved shoes. Fun fact in high school, I actually wanted to be a shoe designer. Really? That was like my 
passion and I was like, I'm going to design shoes for a living. And then that quickly turned into engineering because I was like, I don't know if there's a lot of money in shoe design. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I'll probably make more money in engineering. Um, Is that so, what you studied at Rutgers? <laughs> for a year. <laughs> I did. I did. Tough. I did biomedical engineering my freshman year and I got a 2.2 that first semester. Ooh. And I quickly learned that student athletes, they're eat, they're anybody that came in freshman year doing engineering and sports by semester two, they were either an athlete or an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I chose athlete and then I wanted to get into the business school. I had to wait till my junior year. So I took sport management and exercise science classes because there was like some overlap there. And I graduated with a bachelor's in sport management. Okay. That makes sense. Sport management? Sport management and exercise science. What is sport management? Is that I don't like... know. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard of that before. <laughs> I think a lot of athletes took it because it was like sports. <laughs> yeah, the word sports is in it. Yeah, it was a lot of like exercise science classes, okay. um, but it did tie in the like business element that mm-hmm. you would need to say like open up a gym or do oh, something okay. in the like sports field. Um, sports management could be like an agent or right. kind of dealing on the professional side of athletics That's and cool. health and wellness. Damn. Damn. So you've just always been in fitness sports. Like everything is like everything you do is just all fitness basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would argue like less now, like yeah. the last couple of years. I mean, Rad's still uh Yeah. 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 They're still, yeah. hundred percent. They're still in the fitness industry. Right. So from that sense, yes, right. I was thinking a little bit more like either working or competing. Yeah. 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 I work out the least I have in my lifetime. Really? Yeah, it's just like so busy. I'm busy with a job. Um, like family is my first priority, and you have to support them financially too. So like naturally, your job falls in number two, and then your fitness is now number three. Whereas like when I was younger, fitness was arguably number one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just priorities. But I think there's a way to still like do that and fit fitness in and still set goals and still be inspiring to people. That's not that like necessarily why I do what I do. I think it's more now my mindset is just to like show my kids what hard work looks like. And that's like the biggest thing I tried to instill in them from a young age. Like it's the coolest thing to watch my five-year-old come out in the garage and he wants to work out with me. We have like the low I love pull- your stories. We have the that. low pull-up bar. We have like a five-pound barbell. He runs on the runner. His new thing is he'll get up from his nap and he'll just run laps around the cul-de-sac. <laughs> like he does like five to ten laps. That's so awesome. And it's like the coolest thing because like I'm not ever like, hey, you need to go work out. You need to go and run. Yeah, I mean, he's five years old. Like no <laughs> parents saying that, but he just like does it because he sees mom and dad doing it. Um, That's so cool. But yeah, I think fitness just like evolves for whatever your season of life is. And we just had our third child a couple, couple months ago. And every child that I've had, I've just gotten more and more just like aware that you need to give yourself a little bit of grace during those couple of months. Because when you're raising like an infant, not only does the baby need you, well, as dad, the baby really doesn't need you much. They yeah. need mom, but you need to be there to support yeah. mom. And like, when you have kids, you know that like when the baby, especially your first one, baby crying at like two in the morning, even oh though gosh. you have nothing to offer that baby, you don't have a boob with milk. Yeah. <laughs> you better wake up because your wife is waking up or you're going to yeah. have, you know, problems. But I mean, no, it's just, you know, what used to be being able to train for two to four hours a day working in a gym setting. Like I lived at the gym. Now it's like sick if I get an hour in and it's usually during their nap time or it's waking up early in the morning. So it's still a huge part of my life. 
and it's allowed me the opportunities that I have, but it's definitely evolved over the years. Yeah. So you guys have three kids. How old are they? Five? About to be five, about to be three, and then five months. Dude. You guys want to have more? (sighs) Are they all boys? Two boys and a girl. Uh, The the newest one's a girl, right? The The freshest one is a girl. Yeah, that's right. Uh, It's funny. We thought three was going to be our number. And I actually scheduled a vasectomy, went to the appointment, scheduled it. And as soon as I came home from that appointment, my wife was like, I just, I don't know if that feels right. I don't know if I want something so permanent. Like you can get a reverse, but it's like, it's like 60% effective. And it's like a major surgery. Whereas like getting snipped is like pretty minor. They just like go and snip you and you're like out within 45 minutes. It's like a way bigger production to get it reversed. Mm -hmm. And it's not as like effective. Yeah. So she was like, well, what if like in five years things change and we might have another kid? She's like, I don't know if I want something so permanent. So needless to say, we canceled the appointment and TBD. Ooh. It's like we bought the Suburban. There's one extra (laughs) seat in there. So it's like we might as well fill it at some point. You have to. (laughs) Dude, would you want to have the fourth one be a boy or a girl? Or do you you I think we have both. So it's like whatever it is. Which one's easier? I, I mean, I guess you don't I, quite I, do, know. I don't have the answer to that yet. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, dude, like every month and every season, it's like something new. Yeah. People always talk about the hard part in parenthood being like the infant stage and you're dead tired and you're up at, you know, you're getting three or four hours of sleep. Nobody like tells you how hard parenting a five-year-old <laughs> is when they have opinions and they get an attitude <laughs> and they like push buttons and test limits. Like that's almost harder than... The infant stage is easy, honestly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's like honeymoon phase of having a baby, other than you're tired. Yeah. Like, the five year old is a challenge. Dude, little kids are so funny. I don't spend a lot of time around them. We don't have kids, obviously. But, like, Bree, she's a nanny for this family. And they they have like some three or four year olds, I think. And just like some of the stories she comes home with, I'm like, a four year old said that? Like, how do they think of this? Like, they're so smart. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, they're sponges. It blows my mind. They repeat everything. They never forget anything. <laughs> my, my five-year-old will come down the stairs. He's supposed to be asleep. It's like an hour after his bedtime. Comes down the stairs and he's like, hey, Dada, do you remember such and such? Like from a year ago? I'm like, go to bed. But it's like the way their brains go. And I think, I don't know if it's a product of like us just getting older or what like social media has done, but like their brains are like so in tune to like what's happening in real life. Mm. And I feel like we don't think like that anymore. Like I wish I could go back and think like a kid again because like the things, his memory, the things he remembers, the things that are important to him, we definitely lose that as we get older for a variety of reasons, I think. But it's like so cool to like see things from the eyes of like a three and a five-year-old again. Yeah, It's really cool. That's so cool. Do you feel like you kind of get to relive uh some things i guess five-year-old you probably don't remember a ton from when you were five but like i don't know going to like halloween and like christmas and like all those things that we loved as kids you kind of get to relive that a little 100%. bit a hundred percent i for christmas my five-year-old got a switch oh yeah it was half a present for him half a present for me but <laughs> but it's just like it's, it is like reliving the things yeah. you like did as a child um so the answer is yes and it, it's like it's always something new and it's always different parts of childhood. You're start getting the experience. Like my three-year-old, he like wanted to watch the Lion King finally. And I've been like waiting for the day where my kids like something other than like 
silly cartoons. Like right. I've been waiting to like rewatch the old Disney movies. That's not so that cool. I couldn't have, but yeah. it's like to sit down with my three year old and he like loves the same movies that I love growing up. It's like yeah, how do they? Because I mean, those movies are twenty plus years old. Some of them. Yeah. Like how do they still? Like your kid, like do the they still animation and the them? graphics are still good enough. Okay. I think like in ten years, kids are gonna be like, "That looks old." Yeah. Like when we see like black and white films or right. something, um, it's it's still good enough. Now everything is like three D and looks like you know so Pixar animation and realistic. That like, yeah, but now they still like it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we're. I think right now we're like kind of set on not having kids, but when I talk to people like you, it sounds like you just love it. And I'm like, man, maybe we should have kids. I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, I would say like, there's no rush. Yeah. Like don't rush into having kids for sure. But like people that have asked me, like, how do you know that you're ready for kids? And my best answer is like, you'll have this like feeling that something's missing at mm. some point in your life. And I think like, that's when you know you're ready. Really? And that's like what we felt. And yeah. So you were 31. When you had your first one? 29. 29. Oh, okay. Wait, oh, wait, you said you're 34? 34, and I'm oh, okay. a five-year-old. Okay. So 29 when Math. I had my first kid. Okay. Yeah. Damn. How do you balance all this? Like, I don't know. I know you said, like, you know, you just kind of just get in whatever, but, like, maybe take us through, like, uh, either a week in mm-hmm. your life or, like, a day in your life, whatever, like, would best summarize, like, how you're able to still sure. have a full-time job, family, have some sort of, like, social life or do other things outside of that. Well, social life is different, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the balance is the hard part. And I think on a daily basis, everybody's always trying to figure it out. But when you have kids and a job, like it becomes harder and harder as you go. And that's been, I think, the biggest hurdle in my life the past couple of years was like finding that balance. And ultimately, like for me, being at peace with not being the like professional athlete anymore. Um, Because I think so many of us hold our identity in what we're doing athletically, what we're competing in, what goals we're chasing. But like, I think the coolest identity for myself now is dad. Um, And that's like, that's like a really special place to be. So if you look at my day, like I said, I kind of go through seasons. So like what my day looks like right now is different than it looked like six months ago, which is different than it looked like six six years ago, right? Um, But with this new job, Rad is based in London. So one, they're six hours ahead. Two, I'm remote. So I would argue that I can get done in four hours what I used to be able to get done in nine hours going into an office at work. Really? Oh, easily. I mean, I can just shut myself in my office and just like crank through work and like, okay, that's, I got my work done. Yeah. Um, And I get as much, if not more work done. So anyways. It's probably better quality work because it's- A thousand percent. Yeah. A hundred, yeah, yeah, yes. I love it. Um, I didn't know they were based in London. I thought, yeah. for some reason, I thought they, they have like a Portland HQ. Yeah, or so our design team's in Portland. Oh, okay. That's like the shoe capital of the world. Yeah. So our design team's in Portland. Okay. Started off in London. Oh, though. I didn't and know that. And I'm okay. the lone survivor in Austin, Texas. Really? But, it's a good place uh, to be. Yeah, it's a great place to be. But I'll, but um, I typically would wake up me and my wife would both wake up before every all the kids are awake to get our work at it because of the season that we're life in life that we're in with the new baby. We've been like, look, we have not prioritized sleep since we've known each other. So like we're going to sleep. So like we wake up when our five-year-old comes and wakes us up at seven 30 and I start the work day at eight and I here and there, I'll help get breakfast, get my own breakfast, get a shower. And by like eight 
anywhere between eight and nine, I'm like at my desk chugging away at work. Yeah. And my wife has the kids. We have the luxury. Her mom lives a mile away, so she comes over and oh, she nice. helps, which is so nice for three kids. Um, and then I'll break like for lunch. I'll have lunch with the family. And then I typically will work out with my wife when the kids are napping. So we'll get usually a solid hour, anywhere from like, you know, an hour and a half to 45 minutes. Kind of depends on how they nap. <laughs> and that's like really when I get the bulk of my working out in. And then when they get up, usually hang out with the kids. If I have a little bit more work to do, I'll tackle that. And then if any any parent knows that like, dinner bath and bedtime is like this three hour tornado of a process every day <laughs> so once we finally get the kids down at 8 8 30 it's funny my wife and i are always like it's like 10 sometimes 11 and we're like where did the last three hours go <laughs> it's because as a parent when the kids go down you have to pack everything you were trying to do in the day in those hours before bed oh my god! the laundry vacuuming Paying like everything, all the yeah. paying bills, like you have to fit that all in. And so before you know it, it's late. But I'll typically use that time at night to either do more work, answer emails, some kind of like sprinkling. I have like a block of time from when I wake up till lunchtime and then I'll sprinkle in work as needed. Yeah. Um, but or I'll pop back in the garage. I love having a garage gym and do some yeah. sort of like accessory piece maybe a 20 minute metcon like something to finish off my day on a lot of days and like it evolves what i'm training for so when we had the baby it was just like really easy for me especially post leadville to just like pop in there and like i just lifted i just lifted put weight back on like i wanted to feel healthy again my hormones were definitely messed up so i wanted to get my testosterone back in a good place and so now i'm at 225 pounds but i have a new running goal I was told I have a new running goal. <laughs> yeah, I saw you post got, something. Can you say what it is? Uh, yeah, we, like we, two weeks, we probably so. won't use this in maybe like an Instagram reel. Yeah, like yeah. don't chop this part up because I don't know if we're like announcing this yet, but it's the speed project. Oh, sick. So Rad is putting in a team for the speed project. And the cool thing about that is it's pretty much all employees. So it's all the people behind the brand that nice. we're going to go and essentially storytell. Like we're all very humble and we know that we're not going there to set the record or to win. But we're like we're the goal is to like hold our own and do well and do some storytelling about like why we run as we like launch into the running space. Um because we pi- primarily like our bread and butter is the training space and our training shoe it's like right. top of the line. But people don't really know us for running and as we have these new running products it like we have to like be about it if we're going to talk about it. That's dope. Um so the speed project and I was told that about a week ago. <laughs> How, do you know how many oh, miles run. you'll run? I think we're gonna we're gonna do the OG course with the OG team. So OG team for a speed project is six people, and it's three hundred and forty miles. That's a lot of miles. So you have like sixty miles each. Yeah. Right. So, but you do it in like segments. Right. So you might run a five k at a time, switch out with another person. So it might be like running for anywhere from twenty five to forty minutes, and you might have like an hour and a half, two hours till you're up again. Right. But it's still like a 30 to 40 hour race yeah damn i have a friend that's doing it solo this year that's wild <laughs> nuts we actually have on our team the female who won it solo oh wow who's that kk chick? yeah yeah she's on our team that's sick dude that'll be so fun. we're all gonna hold her back she, she's <laughs> probably gonna be like this is ridiculous <laughs> but if you guys are all there just like have fun and like just complete yeah. it i mean damn, so i so cool. for right now because that's my goal 
I need to lose some pounds. I need to get back into running shape. And so like typically that like lunchtime I'll run, I'll get my run in for the day. Yeah. And then I'll lift just to like stay strong and for like injury prevention at night a couple times a week. And like, I know very well that like, you're not going to build a ton of strength or a ton of muscle while you're putting in the miles. Like it just, that's not how it works. Yeah. I mean, calories, you just burn so many calories that's, from running. Yeah. That's not how it works at this stage in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's a, yeah. Putting on weight while running, you just have to eat so much food. Like it's an insane. Yeah. I, and it's, it's like you, you can get strong, but I feel still feel like you get that like runner's body. Yeah. Like <laughs> body image wise, I've never hated more how I looked as to when I was training for Leadville. I feel like you just get like soft. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. You feel weak. Like your hormones feel are weak. Out of whack too. You're just tired, lethargic. Like, dude, one o'clock every day, I would just be like dragon. Yeah. I didn't feel good. Like I did not feel good. I didn't feel like I was like the best version of myself for my family. Now, granted, that was like the one, the extreme of running right. where I was running like 60 to 80 miles a week. Yeah. Um, was that all zone two? Yeah. That, that too. Like, I feel like you get a little something more when you do some speed work, but mm-hmm. you get to like turn it over a little bit, but yeah. just zone two. So I started this new methodology of running. It's called run flow. Run flow. Yeah. It's a secret. Oh, can we tell people? <laughs> yeah. So, so for rad... We want to kind of change the perception of running for people. I think over the past couple of years, it's gotten very like mainstream. Here's your 16 week marathon block. Yeah. You have to follow these paces on your watch. You have, and it's very like, you're like tied to a wearable. You're doing your five days easy. your one track day, your one long run. And what I got out of doing that was like, I've never felt so unathletic in my life. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, true. It's from true. playing like a yeah. college sport to now just like going out and running and training for an ultra, I've never felt so unathletic. Yeah. So there's or this... maybe aerobically fit, but yeah, sure, 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 sure. Not able to do right. Much else. I could run six or six, eight thirty miles for three hours. Yeah. Like no problem. Whereas if I did that before, like every joint in my body would feel like it's breaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's this guy. His name is Richard Diaz, and he came up with this methodology, and then. At Rad, we're working with this guy. His name's Blue, and he like swears by this methodology of running. And we kind of want to get back to the place where like you're running for enjoyment while still mm-hmm. being able to like chase your goals, but also like feeling like an athlete at the same time. And so he came up th- with this concept called Run Flow, where he goes through this. There's like four ingredients to running. There's your cruise, which is like your easy pace. There's your push, which is like your race pace. There's burn, which is like your top end speed. Mm-hmm. And then there's skill, which are like strides, things like that. And the goal is every run you do to incorporate all the ingredients into every run. Oh. And so like you'll have, say you go out for a 40 minute run, you'll have 30 minutes at your cruise pace. You'll have to do six minutes at your push pace one minute at a burn and you do X amount of strides, um, which is your skill work. The cool thing about that is you're not married to your watch. Yeah. And it's a little bit like the concept is like stepping out the door, going by feel, Hey, if you want to warm up for 10 minutes, great. If you need 15 minutes, great. 
And depending on your feel, how you feel, you'd be like, ah, I don't know if I can hold my push pace for like too long. Maybe I'll do like five rounds of a minute of push, a minute cruise to recover. And then I'm going to do throw my strides in afterwards. And then at the very end, I'm going to throw a minute of burn and just go all out for a minute. Or you'll be like, you know what? I feel pretty good today. I'm going to do my push all in one chunk, six minutes hard of like my race pace, mile pace. And then I'll recover afterwards and then finish off with some strides. And it's just like a very free flowing go as you feel way to run. And it's all based off your perceived rate of exertion. Yeah, It's not like I have to hold a seven minute pace for three minutes. It's all about the effort you feel like you're putting in. And I've done this for like a week now and I feel amazing. Really, My energy's high. I get done almost feeling like I just did a CrossFit workout. And it's like, you can program these as like the run flow workout of the day. And anybody can do these workouts because people just, it's all scaled based on their relative rate of exertion that they can put in, right? Like somebody's cruise pace, mine might be, a nine minute pace. Somebody's might be a walk and that's fine. And maybe somebody's pushes their jog and I'm running a seven minute pace now. But the thing is like, I want to bring these in person to events. So a lot of these like run clue crews are like all the rage now. Oh yeah. And everybody's got to run. And it's like, all right, five (laughs) K easy loop again. It's like, it's kind of like always the same thing. Yeah. But I think putting this out into the world and showing up to a run crew and providing value, like, Hey, here's how you can like, build community and com- camaraderie but like let's get a workout in and it's going to be all scaled to everybody's level we're going to do a yeah. 30 minute run it's going to be an out and back 15 minutes out 15 minutes back but during those th- that 30 minute run you have to run in an aerobic state for six of those minutes don't care how you do it they could be 30 seconds at a time they could be a minute you can do all six minutes but you have to you have to push the tempo at some point for six minutes. And so the concept of run flow is every run you should be doing 20% of your duration mm. of running in an aerobic state and 80% in an anaerobic state. And now there are like, it seems like it's a, like a very hippie way to run, but there is like a trajectory and programming to say if you wanted to peak for a marathon, right? So uh, those percentages would change okay. to where you're then running 30% in your aerobic state and 70 and building up to like 40 and 60 where it's a lot more hard running. But if, but the concept is if you look at the time spent in anaerobic and aerobic over the, your week and over your month, you'll be shocked at how much aerobic running you're doing, which is really cool. Yeah. So I've been doing it Dang. and I'm a believer from like day one. Um, it's a really cool concept that we're – it's kind of like going against the grain right now and yeah. running a little bit. Um, and I'm really excited to like speak into that. You know, it's it's like, it's not going to be like Rad's thing. It's just like our methodology right. into how we run. That's so cool. Which is like very much who the company is, right? For those of you who don't know, Rad stands for Rally Against Destruction. So Rally Against Destruction of the Mind, the Body, and the Planet. So... We try to do things very sustainably and we're always working to do that better and better. We're obviously the destruction of the body, right? Like fitness is one of our key pillars. But then like our thing is like we make shoes to escape in. Like most people's mental outlet for the day is going off and working out. So like we want to provide the footwear for you to escape in Mm, and train. So that's like like our methodology as a company. Dude, run flow. 
I like that. I, I think I'd be curious to know, like, if you took... To, I probably couldn't take two people. Like, basically test out, like, the traditional marathon training mm-hmm. program and have somebody do this run flow method and see, like... Sure. I feel like you'd probably reduce your risk of injury a lot by doing that because you're not pushing past what you should probably be doing because you're listening to your body more. Right. So I think that's a really interesting component of it. And like, there's probably not a lot of like research or somebody who's done the traditional way and then the run flow. But now our guy blue, he's done over 70 marathons. And I think like one of the last few he did, he's trained strictly run flow for like a couple Dang. couple weeks or months and he ran like a 230 marathon holy shit granted he's like i mean he's a stud runner yeah. i mean when i say he ran 70 marathons i think he ran them all between like 220 and 230 oh my gosh <laughs> but he That's trained crazy. the same but he trained like in that yeah. run flow style and he was still able to accomplish the same outcome dang that's cool. Which, yeah, there's yeah. so much power to just like listening to your body like doing what feels intuitive for that day yeah, yeah i I, do, I run on my watch every day because I like tracking stuff. Sure. And I do too. But for like easy runs, like I'll look at my watch like twice because yeah. it's like I just want to go off of whatever feel, whatever feels good for that day. Yeah. But the speed work, I mean, it's kind of like a fart lick essentially. Yeah. yeah. But with more, a little bit more to it. Yeah. And I mean, what I related it to and like what I would like almost want to go back to in my running is like, I remember in high school, I don't even know if I had a watch. I would just go out and run in my neighborhood and do like a couple yeah. like it was we had like a 0.8 mile loop and i do a couple of them but like i would literally just go out like a fart lick and like because i was training for athletics i would pick like every couple light poles or every couple yeah. mailboxes and sprint to the next one and then you recover and then you pick another one and you sprint and like that got me in some of the best shape of my life and i missed the feeling of just like going out and being in nature and just like running for the joy of it running based on feel and I feel like it's all gotten like way too stressful yeah. and way less fun to just like follow things to a T on your programming and your watch. There's an interesting stat that Strava put out that more people than ever last year ran a race. Less people than ever started running last year. Oh, interesting. It's an interesting stat. What does that mean? Like what what does that tell us? <laughs> I think we've all become very like I think social media has created this perception where we like we like have to set a goal. We like yeah. have to be training for a goal to have value in this life. And it's been polarizing for the people who maybe wanted to just like start their running journey to get fit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh I love running, but there are some like weird things about it where it's like it can get kind of clicky and it's like if you don't run this time for your marathon, like you can't hang out with us. Like that kind of, I hate it. It's just like, <laughs> well, I can't hang out with you. So yeah, I, dude, yeah. I shouldn't even be with you right now. <laughs> just kidding. Um, that's why I like ultra running and trail running so much is because it, it feels great more community. probably like what running used to be more like, I guess. I don't know. Uh, where it's just like you're nobody cares about how fast you run an ultra or like how fast did it, or how long did it take you to finish Leadville or how long did it take you to do this ultra? It's just like, did you finish? Yes or no? Yeah. I um, think that's why I gravitated to just after CrossFit going out and running an ultra rather than like going out and running a marathon because yeah. I think I would have went like crazy trying to like chase these times for a marathon. Yeah. Like I think I like just like going out and running to run and seeing if you can like yeah. accomplish something. It's more natural. It's like a more yeah. primal, like innate human way to go about it sure. like never in nature is a human going out and sprinting 26 miles yeah. but like you might go run through the mountains 
Yeah. So yeah. like outcome wise, I'm not here to say like one's better than yeah. the re- than another, right? Like the traditional like training block, like it speaks for itself. People are hitting their times and beyond for whatever their goals are. But like for me in my point of life, like I just want to have like the joy of being outside yeah. and running again. And then that's really just what I like we kind of want to show people again is that they can just like right. use running as an outlet to escape in to get some fitness in to and but like still chase your goals if you yeah. want to have those running goals yeah so you said earlier you said if you could pick one exercise it'd be uh like one lift it'd be squat back squat mm-hmm. if you could pick one type of activity it'd be running yeah but I think, but, but I think that like run, run flow style. Of yeah, running, yeah, yeah. Right, like when I say running, if you're just going out and running, ten miles easy, like right? That's a super boring to me. I've never had more fun in my runs than I have the past couple of weeks. That's cool. Because you're not doing any duration of any type of running for more than like ten, maybe twenty minutes if it's a longer run, and then you're like right into switching up some intervals, and then yeah. you're doing some strides, and then it goes really fast. I remember yeah. being out there training for Leadville and I'd have an hour and a half run and I look at my watch and I was like, I've had to have been out here for half an hour and the watch had like 11 minutes and I was like, <laughs> F. Like, <laughs> Dude, I want to talk about Leadville. I don't. No, I'm just we can talk about it. I mean, is it, is it a sensitive topic? No, it's still? not. No, no, no. Uh, so the first year, it was first attempt was 2022? So two years ago, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how'd that one go? Let's walk, walk the people through this. I one. mean, bro, I didn't finish either attempt. Um, but I, the first year I got very, very close. Um, I probably had no business running an ultra at my size and with my experience of running. Um, the things I did have going for me was like, I always liked being up for a challenge. I had a good mental side to my fitness. Um, and I needed something new because I couldn't spend hours in the gym training at CrossFit for a high level, but I could go out and step out of my door and run for an hour to an hour and a half every morning before the kids got up and chase another goal. So it was really just another goal for me to chase. Uh, being as heavy as I was, I was over 200 pounds running Leadville. Um, How did you, why did you pick Leadville in particular? So I picked Leadville because the BPN team went out there the year before oh, right. and Nick ran it and I paced him for 25 miles. Yeah. And just being out there, it was like, it's really hard to explain and you've been out there and I think you can probably relate that it's like there's something about it where it's almost like this like life-changing experience you have out in there in the mountains and for me I was like if I do 100 miles like this is the race I would love to experience 100 miles in just because of how epic it was yeah we had the familiarity of like being there the year before so I was like yeah like let's let's do this one like there was a certain challenge of the mountains that it brought to the hundred miles. That was like a really cool component yeah. of it. Had you, did you spend a lot of time in the mountains before no, that? No, no zero. <laughs> Absolutely. The t- <laughs> when I did Leadville, the last time I was in the mountains was the last time I was at Leadville. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you grew up in Virginia, right? And then at sea been level. living in Austin. Yeah. So yeah. I haven't been much higher than sea level for a lot of my life. Um, but you know, I did the best I could with what I had. And like, I always said that I wasn't going to sacrifice the time with my family, my job performance for chasing this goal, right? Like I was not going to go up two weeks beforehand to acclimate and leave my family just so I could acclimate to the elevation. Like, See you guys. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. So I literally rolled up the day before and I was like, all right, let's run this. Um, so, you know, you practice things yeah. like nutrition and 
you know, you run whatever hills you can. Um, and when I got out there, I very heavily underestimated what the altitude does like to your stomach mm. and your appetite and cruising, got to the first checkpoint and couldn't stomach solid food. I could not eat anything. So I was very stubborn and I didn't like make it a point to like force myself to eat the solid food. So I just like literally went off liquid and gels. I think I had like 30 gels. Disgusting. Damn. Were they like the spring gels or what? No, they were like the goose. I've like really not done many gels. So they were like (laughs) oddly like in training, I hated goo gels. Yeah. At Leadville, they were the only thing I was getting down. So like, (laughs) I hate those things. So, I mean, the race went well, honestly, made it halfway, made it back and made it to Twin Lakes and then going into Outward Bound. I had this one moment where I can't really describe it any other way other than like I felt like I was outside of my body. But I oh, wow. got some nutrition, like got another gel, and I was like came back to it, and I was fine. I went to the bathroom, so this is the seventy-five mile mark, and I peed, and like it was black, and I was like, I know what that is from uh, being a CrossFit coach for years. Yeah. That's rhabdo. But when you're seventy-five miles into a race and you've never done a marathon before, like you're like, I don't think I feel worse than I should feel. Like I'm gonna keep going. Oh, so no. I did. And we got to mile 87 and we were about to go down like the side of this mountain, a very technical part back to the last checkpoint before the finish. Um, and I was like, I was feeling that feeling again, like I was out of my body. And so I was like, Hey, like, let me suck something down before we go down this or I'm not going to make it. So I remember I pulled it out, I tore it off and like everything went black. I passed out. I threw up. I woke up on the ground in like my pacers arms and I was like, Oh my God get me up, get me up. And he like bear hugged me, got me to my feet. And I just like melted to the ground, like jello. Like when it was a very weird feeling. It was like my body just like shut off. You know how, when you're standing, whether you like realize it or not, you're like contracting the muscles in your legs, you're keeping yourself balanced and upright and like stuff's working to keep you balanced when you're just standing. It was like the lights weren't on and nothing was firing. And I like couldn't control anything from my waist down. So it's done. Were you conscious when that happened or no? Like, do you remember that? I remember like, bi- I was going like in and out. Mm. So I remember bits. I remember <laughs> there's no cell service. I remember um, my pacer like running back and forth trying to find anybody. Um, it's at the point of the race where there's like only, there's not many people left in the race because right. the completion rate isn't very high. But everybody's like so spread out too. So I couldn't find any. I think finally he like flagged down this like maybe high school age kid in a pickup truck going down the road, flagged him down. They picked me up and put me in the truck bed and drove me halfway down the mountain until an ambulance came and met me. Oh my um, And then I spent the night in the hospital. I was able to like clear the rhabdo like pretty fast from my system. Um, but... Needless to say, I did not finish year one. So then, that's scary. I was like, I what? I mean, I remember laying in the hospital bed, and uh, my wife was there. She was actually going to be my last pacer, so she was like waiting for me to get to that oh, last She's checkpoint. Probably freaking out. Yeah, um, but she was like, "We're never doing this again." <laughs> and then the next day, we looked at each other, and she was like, "You know, you're going to do this again, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." So, 
went back year two to try to redeem myself. Now, going into that, I was very conscious that because I had I got rhabdo once now, you're very susceptible to getting it again. Oh, really? Yeah, and like the doctors told me that like, hey, I don't know if this is a good idea. Like maybe do a different race. It like, probably damages your kidneys, right? Exactly. Like long-term, yeah. And I still feel like I have some like effects from that. Really? Like I feel like my kidney maybe works at like 80% of what it oh, did. I Again, I haven't gotten like checked out, but like yeah. little things like stuff seems to like go right through me more. Oh, it's almost like my kidney isn't as much of a sponge right. as it like used to be. I don't know. I could just be making that up, but I, I, mean, I definitely, probably something I definitely feel different in some of those elements. Yeah. So some blood work done or something. I should. I just, I'm the kind of person that like doesn't like to invest a lot of time or money into myself. Cause I'm usually taking care of my kids and my family. Right. Um, went back year two. Uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to add a couple things into it to hopefully make it this time. I was doing the hypoxico tent, uh, you know, stuff like that. I was running in the middle of the day because heat is the best translator to altitude if you don't have altitude. Yeah. Um, I've heard very mixed things on those hypoxicos. Uh, well, I don't I don't really have much to say because I didn't finish it. And so <laughs> I can't say it like helped. I had one guy, uh, one of my buddies lives in Tennessee. Uh, and he's training for Bighorn with me this year, and he was did he did that epoxico for like months, and mm-hmm. he he's super into blood work and like red blood cell count. That's like number one thing it's supposed to change. No change for like three months. I think it's probably training. different if you like can sleep in it. I think that's that's what you have to do. Spend if you're just using it for like an hour a day for yeah. a couple times a week, were you sleeping know. in it or just training no, with it? I'm, I was I was just laying in it for like an hour oh. a couple times a week. Yeah, you probably have to spend like eight plus. Yeah, hours. people like sleep in those yeah. hyperbaric chambers and stuff. But anyways, I went there to try to redeem myself. Ultimately, the same thing ended up happening. My nutrition was great. I ate the whole time. But it was just like, I think because of the altitude, because I was so heavy, and I'm not making excuses, it's just the reality of the situation that just like my kidneys couldn't keep up with the muscle breakdown in my body. Um, And so... I felt, I remember being in tears at like mile 36 because I felt so good. And I was like, I'm going to finish this race. Obviously 36 miles in is very early and premature, but like, I felt like I felt so good. And then by mile 47, getting to that halfway checkpoint, my poles were like the only thing keeping me up. I think it took me like, it took me like an hour and 45 minutes to travel those three miles to like get help. Because at that point in the race, there's like, you're going down a mountain and you don't have anybody to help you. And I remember I like hobbled on these poles across the like halfway checkpoint and just like collapsed into these people and ended Dude. up in the hospital again. Damn. But you know, it was, it's one of those things where like the pride side of me was very mad that I didn't go complete the goal I set out to. Um, but I think I would have been more upset if I didn't try again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a hard thing because like it's, I'd say it's out of your control, right? Really. Yeah. Like I mean, if you trained like everything, like you did as much as you could living in Austin. Like, yeah, not, I mean probably having, yeah. within reason, right? Like right. I think the way for me to accomplish that is to like set things aside that are important to me right. and pour more hours of training, taking care of my body, and doing like the little things that like help you accomplish those last couple percentage. Of right. where you want to go, like, but the thing is, just like, I'm not willing to do that. Yeah, I mean, what's more important, finishing an arbitrary race or like spending more time with your kids and your family and work? Yeah, 
That's how I view it. Yeah, it's all about priorities. Yeah. yeah. I remember I saw you because I hiked up Hope Pass. Yeah, you were like be all around. And I was like... <laughs> well, I also had already ran 40 I was miles. dying hiking up, <laughs> hiking up Pope, Hope's Pass. And here you come just like prancing right by me. And I was like, oh. You'd also already run 40 miles. I was, I was just like fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing you out there. Man, that was like a death march up Hope's Pass. And you did it did not look great. It was like... <laughs> It was oddly hot for that area. I remember. I remember like getting sunburn being up on that mountain. Yeah. But it, like the people just like peeling off and keeled over on the side of that mountain. I remember. That's where I tried to make up a ton of time, and that I think kind of did me in, is because I was a little late getting to the checkpoint at Twin Lakes. So I was like, all right, I'm sending it up this mountain, and I did. I made up 45 minutes. Yeah. But then, dang, it started. To Dude, go it, I've I've hiked up. I've been to Leadville twice. <clears throat> Both times I'll hike up Hope Pass just to like go take photos, yeah. check it out and stuff. Both times going up, there's always people hunched over, oh, yeah. vomiting, passed out. Like it's like, dude, it is not a fun place to be. Like yeah. I, you know, you're already forty plus miles in. You gotta hike up this four thousand foot incline up to thirteen thousand feet. Yeah, it's like a four mile hike too. Yeah. It's just I think you gain around a thousand feet per mile. So it's yeah. like it's legit. <laughs> and it's then a- you gotta Go down and then come back up and do it again. Yeah, it's an actual mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. So now, okay, twice, two attempts. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll try it again ever? Or I joke and I say like when I'm in like like later in life, when I have like my old man invisible endurance, when that's like kind of all I have left yeah. and my kids are like in college, <laughs> like maybe. But like I really realistically can't see myself like trying to bite that off in the near future. I think it's probably wise that I set like have a little bit more fun and set like yeah. more realistic goals and just being like real with myself and where I'm at. Like the speed project sounds awesome to like share miles with people and have fun and run 60 miles. Like that's still hard. Yeah. I still have to train for it and it still gives me a goal. Um, but yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't say that I'm going to hit Leadville anytime soon. Yeah. People are always chiming in my, instagram saying what are you doing level this year if i put anything up it's like third time's a charm and i'm like "Ah." dude yeah i mean you'll always i mean level will always be there and i mean you've seen some of those people out there they're like 60 like that's what i'm saying years old these old dudes passing me in leadville yeah there's something to say for like that endurance that you gain with age yeah just slow and steady they got the the mental strength not that you don't obviously it's it's not that but it's just uh something about all these old dudes out here like running these ultras, it's so crazy. I think it's just like a time thing, and you put miles and miles and miles on your body right. over the course of your lifetime. Where like, yeah, a hundred miles when you're yeah. fifty-five years old probably seems a little different than a hundred miles when you're thirty right. years old. Yeah, I've been reading this. Uh, it's called the science of running, uh-huh. and I was reading last night about like slow twitch, fast twitch muscle fibers. Like most people are kind of already born with fast twitch muscle fibers, yeah. and like if you play sports, that's primarily what you're using. Uh, but like marathons or anything longer, even like a half marathon, you have to develop the slow twitch. And the only way to develop that is like years and years yeah. and years of training. Yeah. So it's like, that ma- it makes sense because you're, as you get older, you don't really need the fast twitch. It's just yeah. all slow twitch. And I, like, even the difference from like year one to year two training for Leadville, I felt yeah. so much better in the training. So like, I can only imagine if you were to put like 10 years right. of that sort of running. Dude, so, okay. So we've got CrossFit for how, how long? Well, I guess you're still training CrossFit, but like competing. I how still long use for? that as like my fitness outlet okay. to stay in shape. I feel like it's the best bang for your buck if you're going to spend an hour in your garage gym. Yeah. I still like to do like my bodybuilding type 
lifts and movements here and there, but um, the like the methodology of CrossFit and the high intensity aspect of those workouts I love and I don't think I'll ever go away from. Um, but I competed for nine years. Dang. Okay. Yeah. How old do you have to be to do a masters? Compete in masters. Thirty five. Oh. Wanna... One more year. Are you gonna I can't do it this season, but it'll be next season okay. for me. Are you gonna do like maybe compete? but it's funny, it's like even the masters division has been getting harder and harder because yeah. all of the like legends <laughs> yeah. like Rich Froning would be in my masters division. Damn. Isn't like who else is there? Is it Josh Bridges and yeah, any of those guys, guys that yeah. like still want to compete and then if they want to do masters, like I'm yeah. in like the 35 division and the masters competition for the games is like still pretty dang. Hard. I mean, 35 is still young, it would yeah, it would definitely be easier to make than obviously the ma- the regular CrossFit games, right? It would still probably require two to three hours of training a day. Jeez, like, how much some of those guys train, yeah. Damn. But again, I think a lot of those people <clears throat> are like coaches and they're in the gym sitting right. they own a gym they might coach a class a day or two they're yeah. building their own personal brand like i think a, a lot of those guys kind of went the route of like building their personal brand staying in the fitness space right whereas i went probably you could argue like a little bit more of the traditional like nine to five job right. um and that's definitely a challenge yeah are there like there's like running influencers like i'm a running influencer, yeah. but i'm not a competitive like I'm not an elite runner. Like, is there anything like that in CrossFit? Are there like CrossFit influencers, but they're not like the best? Yeah, but it's kind of cheesy. Mm. Like, I think the running influencers do a better job than like a CrossFit influencer. I think the bigger people you see on social media are the best CrossFit athletes in the world. They've like just gained the respect and like people want to see what they're doing. However, I don't think really many of those people do social media well. Yeah, I, I don't think focus on being an there's athlete. not a lot of good like influencers in the CrossFit space to yeah. answer your question. Yeah, I, I mean, elite athletes, none of them are ever really good creators because they're focused on yeah, being an athlete. <laughs> they're focusing all their time in the gym and being the yeah. best at their sport, right? right? Like I would question if they were great content right. creators, Yeah, you know? Damn, okay. Nine years competing CrossFit, 500-pound back squat, sub-five mile, Leadville. Like out of all those things, what do you think is your – what is either – like, what are you most proud of? Or like, what is your favorite memory or like favorite, favorite thing that you've done within all of your fitness endeavors? It's really tough because I think I've had like really cool moments throughout a span of like 15 years now. So it's hard to, I think a lot of them have been unique in their own ways. I think the one that was most fun and the coolest one was the mile and back squat. Yeah. Because I like truly did that for myself. Um, and it was cool. Like in my community, my gym, I had like people who were like really invested in it. And so this guy, Rick, he was out at like all the track workouts and he was yelling my times. And I mean, he was, a, he was like a, he was a running coach. Um, people were like running around filming me, but like, we're just having fun with it. Like yeah. there was no like social media reward that we were chasing by doing this goal at the time. Like I wish I could go chase a goal and be back to something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm most proud of Leadville. Yeah. Even though like I didn't accomplish the ultimate goal. Like for me, somebody that's never even run a marathon and is like not a runner in any sort of the definition, <laughs> like very much more like a strength power athlete, like as a CrossFitter, like, yes, I could run, but like to kind of just like put my mindset into something completely different 
and going from being a lead at something to a very beginner at something and learning something new and experiencing that. And like, heck, like I did my first three marathons at Leadville running 87 miles. <laughs> and even though, it was, it that way. <laughs> even though it wasn't a hundred miles, like yeah. 87 miles is still further than I, if you had told me that a year before that, I'll be like, heck no, I can't yeah. move that far. <laughs> like, so I think I definitely most, most proud of that one. Yeah. Also like, my kids were conscious enough to like witness me putting in the work for that. Um, they knew I was going to run in the, in the mountains yeah. and like, it was cool to kind of showcase hard work for that event to my family and my kids. Like it's always more meaningful when you have more family and more people who are meaningful to you witnessing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what awesome. I'm most proud of. Yeah. How many CrossFit athletes do you think could go run 87 miles at Leadville? None with their <laughs> current training. You don't think so? No, I think the, I think they're just like break down. Like their yeah. body would just break down, and they'd in, end up in a similar situation like myself. And like even with the training, like it was a real struggle. Um, it's just a totally different. System. It's totally it's totally different from the training from that CrossFitters face. Yeah. Like yes, like <laughs> CrossFitters have the endurance of doing fifteen events across four days, and like the CrossFit Games. But that's a very different type of like maximal output, recover for a couple hours. Right. Maximal output, recover for some hours. Like different than just like a pain you can't escape for 30 hours. Yeah. Damn. I, I would imagine that the muscle and just the strength you have, that probably helped you. I mean, there might be a point of diminishing returns, yeah. but. I mean, I felt good like yeah. climbing and things like that. Um but I think there's, yeah, like like you're saying, like there's a point where like too much muscle and being too heavy is also yeah. detrimental in some areas. Too. Did you tr uh, switch up your strength training for that? Like, uh, did you train more like running specific type movements, or did you kind of do like this this like back? Yeah, squat? I mean, yeah, I, I definitely like I when I got into like the thick of training and even like a couple weeks out, I was lifting two or three times a week, and it was kind of yeah. more like for injury prevention and like to keep me feeling somewhat strong. I did a lot of like single leg lunges. I okay. did some back squats, but it was more like, it was more the more like high rep stuff. I wasn't maxing anything yeah. out. I wasn't going for maximal loads. Is that kind of what you do now that you're going to train for the speed project? You're going to do yeah. more yeah, yeah, yeah. injury prevention type stuff? Yeah, but I'll still like, I'll lift a little heavier than I did training for Leadville just because like, I think it's a very different race yeah. going out. I think it's more like the CrossFit, Competing in CrossFit where you like right. Intervals. go hard. Yeah, exactly. So I think you can train a little bit different. I think you can, I think I can be on the heavier side and like be okay. Cause you're going to have the time to recover. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah. So yes, I'm not going to max out my back. I'm not going to try to hold on to a 500 pound back squat while I train for that. <laughs> But like I will lift heavier than I did for yeah. Leadville. What about uh diet? If I can't see you talk about diet a whole lot. Yeah, I don't because I have kids. Like when <laughs> um, I would always dial in my nutrition yeah. and track my macros, uh, mm. you know, two to three months out from competing in CrossFit. Um, besides that, I always went with the methodology of like the 80-20 rule. And I think in CrossFit too, like you were burning so many calories throughout the day when you're training like that, like if you ate healthy 80% of the time and you layered on like those extra calories, no matter what they were, like you still had a great foundation of nutrition and your healthy foods for your fuel that it wasn't going to like make or break you. And also probably helped with in injury prevention, not like dialing in your nutrition year round. 
Um, nowadays, I think I follow just straight up the 80-20 rule as much as I can. Um, I don't track calories. It doesn't work well with my lifestyle right now. Um, and it's like, if we go out with the kids, like I'm not going to turn down having an ice cream cone with my kids. Yeah. You know, I just like, I'm not going to, when it's their birthday, I'm not going to not have birthday cake with, you know what I'm saying? Like, or if, sorry, your birthday doesn't fit my macros. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And it's like, I don't know. I think it's just trying to find that imbalance, that balance of having the enjoyment in life of enjoying the time with your family. And like, we're still trying to teach our kids healthy habits and eating right. But like some nights, we're going to order a pizza yeah, and it's okay. Now, <laughs> what you also don't know before you have kids is how picky kids are. Like, <laughs> dude, my, my two boys eat like five things. Really? Peanut butter jelly sandwiches. The one eats pizza, the other doesn't. Maybe <laughs> some like pizza. Nuggets. Maybe, right? <laughs> Maybe some chicken. Like, oh, it's, uh, <laughs> it drives me and my wife crazy because I, it's just like, I know that obviously some things you're like a product of your environment. Yeah. But I think also some things it just is what it is. Yeah. And I think kids go through phases, right? Like we were all picky at some point, I'm sure. Right. And it's like, some kids are picky. Some kids are not. Our kids are the pickiest and that's been a struggle, but. Um, that's so funny. That's one thing I'd, I'd be so curious to see from like a parent's perspective of like, you have multiple kids in the same household and like see how their personalities differ and their likes, dislikes. They're so different. That's so it crazy. is crazy. My first son is the very like cautious. He's calculated. He's going to ask permission to do something. He's very intelligent. Um, my second son, just F it, send it. Like <laughs> we'll take any risk. Um, He's just a wild child. Um, the kid, so they nap every day. He literally flips upside down and his on his head, if he doesn't take a nap, the majority of the nap. I'm like, what are you doing, you psychopath? Like, they're so different. That's so funny. So different. It's, it's so cool to see their personalities. Yeah. And it's crazy how you can literally have, it came from the two, same two humans, me and my wife, right. and they're completely different. Yeah. I wonder, there's definitely something to like how much uh, persuasion you have on a kid, I guess, like as a parent. Cause like, I mean, obviously you see them, you know, every day, but like they might go to preschool, they might go hang out with friends, they might like, you know, they have other, they play sports, they have all these other environmental factors outside mm-hmm. of just parents. And I feel like sometimes parents, if their kid turns out bad or something, like, oh, I failed as a parent, but like you only have such a, like, you have so much you can really impact them. Outside of all these other things too. Yeah, I think as you try to do the best job you can for as long as you can, because when they get older, obviously there's increasing outside factors that come into play. Right. Even things from TV and movies and friends and they hear something somewhere and they're like, oh, I'm going to say that now. And they're constantly, as they grow, trying to like push buttons and see what they can get away with. and. That I explained earlier in this podcast, like I think that is like what nobody prepares you for is the five year old <laughs> and him pushing the limits. And it's like, how do you parent that? And even the dynamic where it's like my wife is around them 70% of the day and I'm around them like 30% of the day with work. So, like, when I have the time with them, the last thing I want to do is like scold them and punish them yeah. and parent them. Like, I want to have fun with them, but it's like, figuring out how we get on the same page to be consistent with 
the parenting. It's a it's a it's a very challenging dynamic, and especially when you have a wife that spends more time than me per se. Like her fuse is way shorter by the end of the day than mine is, yeah. and it's a challenge. And I think that's that's like what we're trying to figure out is like how do we create the best human beings possible so that when we turn them out loose into the world that they're respectable human beings. Right. Like most of us turned out all right yeah you know but it, you know i think these people we hang out with yeah it's tough it's tough when you're like in the moment with a five-year-old yeah. like knowing that they're gonna be like good kind respectable respectful humans right yeah that's like a in lot of high pressure. school you know it's a lot of pressure yeah. damn and there's really no i mean blueprint to parenting it's Zero. like i mean there's books and stuff out there but it's like nobody really knows i literally tell like people who find out they're pregnant or first time parents, like don't listen to what anybody says. I said, you can ask me anything and I'll tell you my opinions on things, but like my opinions don't matter. Like you don't know until you're in it. And even though you have no clue what you're doing, you know exactly what you're doing as a parent. And that doesn't even resonate with you because right. you don't have kids and you haven't been through that. But it's just like, you figure it out as you go and you figure out what works best for your schedule, for your lifestyle, because everybody's different everybody has different priorities everybody has different needs so like what there's no cookie cutter what works for one person works for another yeah. even down to the like devices that you have for kids and yeah. the swings and like everything I, I just say like take what everybody says with a grain of salt and chances are you can't relate to anything anybody says anyways until it's 2 a.m and you've gotten no sleep and you have a screaming baby that's been changed and fed and you have no idea where they're screaming and you're about to lose your mind like that does something to you. <laughs> then i hear you say things like that and i'm like mm, maybe i don't want to have kids you know what? <laughs> it it sounds horrible but like that period of time is so yeah. short-lived and the human body is weird you like seem to only remember the good things right. and you, your brain like pushes out the bad moments yeah so it's like Every time we're ready to have this kid, we think like, oh, we're having this kid. It's going to be amazing. And they're like, why did, how do we forget about this when it's in the middle of the night and we've yeah. got a screaming kid, but your body just forgets about it. But like, I think that's also why like we chase goals and we run and we push oh, our yeah. body to the limits because our body forgets the bad parts of our body forgets pain. Yeah. I think if our body remembered pain, nobody would be, nobody would be a runner. Yeah. But that's just the cool thing about being a human i guess yeah. oh 100 percent. oh dude every race i've done or any hard thing i'm like i'm never doing this again right? in the middle of it i'm like dude i don't care if it's a 5k i'm not running ever again yeah. but then you, you forget about it and you just do it a couple days later when you're yeah. recovered you're like when's the next yeah. one <laughs> yeah. dude um this has been fun uh what is like the what's like the ultimate goal for adam like do you have i hate I hate people ask me this, but I always love asking other people. It's like, do you have like a five-year, 10-year plan? Like where you want to be, anything like that? So yeah, but it's I think it's like simpler than what a lot of people chase. And I don't know, maybe people chase this, but I feel like after, I don't know how to make this sound like good, but it's like, I feel like I've been so invested in other people and building community and pouring into others that I'm like ready to have my time like my dream is to not have to work the traditional job anymore i would love to open a gym again i just said i don't want to take care of people anymore and i <laughs> then i just said i want to open we a gotta gym. serve people in some way i, I know it's like, it is like very fulfilling to me but like 
I love doing that on like the simplest ground level, right? Like helping pe- like impacting people's lives through them feeling fit. I would love to own a gym. I would love to get some land and I would love to have some sort of farm and animals. Oh, like my dream is like the Texas version of Rich Froning's compound yeah. where he has his barn gym, his house, he's got acres with bison. So I want the same thing, but I want longhorns. Oh, you want, you're going to stay in Texas? <laughs> yeah, we like it here. Yeah. yeah, we have no reason to leave. Dude, that's um, awesome. But yeah, it's just like, I think what that looks like is I just want like, I want to like ultimately lead a simple life that I can also take care of my family through. Yeah. That's the hard part and the pain point is that like it's hard for a lot of people to like have that peace and lifestyle they want while supporting their financial needs. Yeah. So super pumped and happy to be like building what I'm building with rad. Um, I'm super thankful for the three years before that at BPN. Like I would never trade my three years at BPN, even though I don't work that, there now, because the lessons I learned, both good and bad, have been invaluable to the next step in my career, where I'm now, because of that experience, I'm thought of differently. I'm asked my opinion more because I've like I've figured things out through my own trial and error already. It's valuable to the next company because I can help guide them through stages of the company that I've already been through with another one um, and hopefully not make the same mistakes or take things away that worked really, really well. And I'm like, hey, like this was a massive success. Like we should yeah. look at doing this. Um, what were some of those things that uh, that like building a community, building partnerships, all that like that? you think could be applied to any brand like what like they want you maybe took from bpn you want to apply that to rad yeah so i can talk about the crossfit space a little bit and us building our brand in crossfit because that's where we were birthed out of we launched at wadapalooza we launched with danielle brandon so like the crossfit space is our bread and butter but i think what a lot of companies miss is you look at crossfit and 10 years ago the big brands were like Reebok. They were launching their like first nanos. There's a ton of hype and excitement. And they were like actually in person in the community. And what happens is as brands get bigger and bigger, they lose sight of what got them there in the first place. And most of the times it was that community. It's those personal relationships. Um, It's like creating true fans of the brand on a personal level who are going to support you through anything but when you stop investing into those people when times get tough those people aren't there to support you and carry you through it one of my mentors his name's chad he won't take credit for this he said that somebody told him that but he has worked the community role at yeti for like 11 or 12 years that's a long time for a very reputable company but early on in my career he explained this analogy where your business is like a tree or your personal brand or whatever you're trying to grow is this tree. And as the business gets bigger, as your personal brand gets bigger with every new hire you have, you grow a branch, you grow a leaf, you grow part of the tree. And that tree starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, your community is the roots of that tree. And if you have no roots, and you have this big tree and you go through these storms, the tree is gonna fall right over. So as your brand 
your personal brand grows, as it gets more branches, as it grows more leaves, you need to expand that root system to match what's out of the ground. And if you can anchor your business through that root system, when times get tough, when the storms come, your tree is going to be standing at the end of the day. And that's what I want to do at RAD is create this root system for RAD through community, through building personal relationships, through being genuine to people and doing things for the right reasons that if times get tough at some point, because like the storms will come, like we're going to survive that because we have the support of the community through doing things like activations, building an online community, just like meeting people where they're at and being in person. Dude, so I that's, love that. That's my methodology yeah. on community building for a brand. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Just being able to visualize that and and having um, strong roots. Because it's like, I mean, that's the foundation of, of uh, especially nowadays, like any brand, especially in the fitness space too, uh, like the in-person things. And it's like those, like the small people, quote unquote, small people that like were there from day one, like they want to support you. They want to be there. Uh, but if you forget about them and try and go too big and too wide it's like you forget about those like kind of small individual people that that like like you said like what got you there in the first place yeah and it's like we're in a, such a day and age where like <clears throat> when you talk about community or people wanting to be ambassadors for brands like there's so much out there like people will easily just jump to the next thing or the next company yeah. giving them a free product or like you know what I'm saying? But like, how can you like deepen that relationship where like, it doesn't have to be just giving out free products. It's, it's like, I work for a, we're a shoe company. Like I can't be handing out $150 <laughs> pairs of shoes to everybody. Yeah. Like it, you know what I'm saying? So, but it's like, how can you make meaningful relationships through meaningful experiences that bring people together, that provide them experiences and connections where they couldn't get anywhere yeah. else um how do you do that yeah sorry i mean to interrupt no yeah yeah uh how do you do that like say somebody lives in some like small town in montana or something and they can't be in austin for some big event rad's having how do you activate those kinds of people yeah and uh, again i think it's a you're always i don't want to say you're always like chasing more people but it's like you're always just like layering on experience after experience and like it takes time to tackle a large right. area of people and like i could work this job for five years for rad or 10 years and i still won't tackle everybody but i think it's just like having touch points with people in theory like one person at a time they don't always have to be in person right like maybe it's having a personality on social media like for a brand i think the best thing some brands can do is show the like behind the scenes yeah. have the ceo speaking like where they really get to know the people behind the brand who they are what their beliefs are what they stand for why they do things for it like because it acts as something for like people to relate to and to support and they're like oh i like this person because they believe in this right. oh they work for rad let me check them out like oh these are six shoes i'm a customer for life or it it may it be as simple as like answering dms mm -hmm. or i think it's like how you interact with your online community how personal you make things feel um i think there's this like fine line where like people want to build a community to like sell to 
but they're too pushy in their sales tactics and people see yeah. right through that and it kind of like diminishes everything you're trying to build in terms of a community like very much take the approach especially with rad where like i'm going out to la to newport and we're gonna hang out with a run club out there and do it's called a sling and send it's a like old school crossfit workout where we're gonna lift heavy weight and send it on a workout but like i am not bringing one product to sell i literally am not bringing anything to sell anything i am there to hang out and i'm gonna buy them pizza and beer and we're gonna hang out and build relationships and like that's the experience but like for somebody to show up and they're like dang like this person's cool they're like treating us to this like after party and food or drink and they didn't try to sell me anything and i really liked the person when i met them and they were really nice and they took the time to talk to me like and they were with let me check out what this rad thing is like again i like we're very much not gonna go the style of like paying anybody x amount of thousands of dollars to slap our brand on a club to be associated with the club like that's just like not that's not who we are and that's I think it's been like, it's just been overdone, right? Like, (laughs) I feel like Nike is kind of playing the like, the Pokemon got to catch them all where they're like trying to slap a Nike check on as many run clubs as they can right now. Yep. Uh, But I think we just want to make relationships on a deeper level. Because what happens is like, cool, these people run on a Wednesday night at their run club and there's this Nike check attached to the brand. But like, what happens when they go to the next run club and there's a Hoka logo? Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? Like there's no affiliation or like feeling towards the brand other than they see the logo. Yeah. Dude, that's cool. That's such a, I can tell you spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff. I mean, it's obviously it's been your a job, couple of years, but, <laughs> but like <laughs> in a couple of years in the making. And like, if you asked me this question two or three years ago, I probably wouldn't have had the same answer. Cause it's like, it's evolved over yeah. the years. Would you say you're like an expert in community building? No. <laughs> so it, no it's like you're always trying to learn and yeah. i think even in the space it's always evolving and like what worked two years ago right. doesn't necessarily work now it's the concept of like what got you here won't get you there you've heard that or like you can't expect to, to keep doing the same thing and expect the same outcome right so an expert no um but like i've gotten good at like trying to figure out what the needs are and trying to figure it out yeah and i have like a passion to like figure out how to connect with people yeah i mean you've spent so much time like out in different cities with different groups of people like connecting one-on-one that you really get to hear all these perspectives and what people truly want and then implementing that on a wider scale so it's you have definitely a unique perspective yeah just because you spent so much time out there doing it yeah i feel like it's definitely a a unique situation to be in because i think when i think of like okay who else does this especially like for other brands, like not many people probably come to mind. Like the the community role is probably a newer thing in the past couple of years. I think community role, even before that meant just like more like social media community or they would build like Facebook groups or things like that. I think the like meeting the community where they're at type of role in all of that is definitely new. So kind of just trying to like, pave my own way and figure out what works and that's why i talk about like trial and error like dude i've hosted things that have been a flop and 10 people came but the thing is like you can say it was a flop but like you touch 10 people but then i've also done things that have been like a grand slam and i've had 500 people come out to a run yeah 
Dang. So it's all it's all trial and error, and um, yeah, I don't say I, I wouldn't say I have it all figured out, but we're trying to yeah. trying to figure it out as we go. Yeah, because I feel like it's always. It's usually like sales reps that are like doing any kind of in-person stuff. Like if you're ever going to interact with a brand in person, it's almost always somebody trying to sell you something. So putting that to the side, making the brand and the community first and the product second, it's yeah. like, it seems to be kind of the key to it. All. And I think it's, it, it takes a very unique person to play that role yeah. in the way that I am, I guess, because you're right. I think a lot of people have like a sales role or a lot of people just have like, a passion for fitness but there's like an element of my past that i like gained credibility in the fitness space um so i feel like i have something to offer of value when it comes to like coaching a class or leading a run like i can i can show up to a class and i can give you pointers on your squat that you've never heard ever in your life and it might change the way you squat and you're like wow like i just learned something from this random workout that adam was at that i could not have gotten anywhere else um it's like that's what i hope to bring with like this run flow thing it's like i'm not looking to be revolutionary but if i can get people together and let them suffer a little bit together and they each feel like they got like an awesome workout out of that rather than just their leisurely social club 5k like i'm all about that giving them an experience where they like learned a new way to incorporate some higher intensity running into their training like sick yeah um but if I was kind of like a, if I didn't have the credibility behind that, I show up and I tell people to run this certain way and they're like, who is this guy? Like, yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have so much um, background and credibility just because like who you are, like who Adam is as a person. So it's like, there's just so much value that you bring, obviously. And that's probably where the CrossFit comes in too. Because you, like you said earlier, you can relate to a marathon runner, to an ultra runner, to a power lifter, to a bodybuilder, because you've done all these things and you know how to train and you know how to like speak and interact with all these people. Yeah. I think the biggest piece of advice I have for anybody who wants to get in that role or does that role already. And I had to learn from a young age being a coach is the concept of like being a chameleon. Mm. You have to be able to mesh with, communicate with and communicate through to anybody and everybody. Like you have to be the person that doesn't have beef with anybody. And like, if you do, you better not let on that you do or show it in any way, right? Like, and I think there's like, there is an art to that, being able to like mesh and vibe and chat and communicate with everybody. So I think that's a, it's a skill that anybody in like this role where you're dealing with a lot of people, it's like necessary that you learn. Yeah. It's gotta be the right person in the position. You can't just plug anybody in there. Yeah. Cause you gotta be personable. You gotta be likable, relatable. There's like some intangibles, right? It's like people, when I was coaching, they're like, all right, what do you look for in a coach? What makes a good coach? And I don't look for their skill of coaching in terms of like their knowledge and how to demonstrate and coach a movement because that can be taught. Right. You can learn that. I would always look for the intangibles that how, how kind are they? How friendly are they? How do they interact with people? Do they have beef with anybody? Like those are the things you can't teach. Um, You know, you, I think you can develop a little bit, but like at the end of the day, like give me a person with that kind of passion and people skills. And I will take them 10 out of 10 times over the best coach in the world that doesn't have those skills. Yeah, I love that. Dude, dropping the freaking knowledge on this podcast. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, <laughs> you killed it, man. This has been fun. Um, did we talk about everything we want to talk about? 
Did I miss anything? Probably. I don't <laughs> We've been going so. for a couple hours, I think. Yeah? Almost two hours. Sick. Dude, uh, this has been a blast, man. Thanks for coming on. Dude, anytime. It's been too long. I, it has been too long. I know with my nine to five and you went off to do big things and build your own brand. Which We're all been, busy. Which has been so cool to see you just like come into your own and build yourself up into who you are. And it's it's definitely encouraging for, I think, anybody looking to like take a stab at building their own brand yeah. you're doing an awesome job well man. thanks dude yeah I mean, anybody can do it honestly um i think there are you know like you said there are maybe some of those intangibles that like you i don't want to say you have to have them inherently but like sometimes you have to work harder for some of those things sure. and um yeah it's it's a skill that can be taught for sure but uh anybody can do it yeah. I, I think um dude you can do it you're doing it right now it's <laughs> trying to balance it all yeah my last question uh so you said you know, you know, get this ranch, have your family there, like have all this stuff. Like, what do you think is stopping you from getting there? Like what's, what's in the way? What's the obstacle? I mean, I think it's, I know what you're going to say because you're like, well, why don't you just do it and start? So, yeah. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get it. So I agree with you. Easier said than done. It's easier said than done because of the stage of life I'm at. Yeah. And like my number one goal is providing for the four other people in my family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the stability of I want, it's like, I love my job and I like, I want to build this thing and I, there's nowhere else I would rather be right now. Like I absolutely love what I'm doing. I think there, I think there's just like a time and place for everything. And like what I'm doing and building now is just going to set me up for that next step. And I don't know if that ranch <laughs> is one step away or three steps away, Yeah. but like, I'm kind of just like, I am very aware that the knowledge, the experience and everything I'm building now is going to lead to success when I get there. Yeah. Um, it's very different when I was going to leave my last job. It wasn't like I could just leave and figure it out. You can't do that with three kids yeah. because the money in your bank account when you have three kids goes very, very fast. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, there's, there's more responsibility. Other than like, you know how much groceries are for five people? <laughs> Groceries in Austin are expensive Bro. too. So anyways, they're expensive I, everywhere. I, but... I couldn't just like figure yeah, it out. Yeah. Where I feel like if you're like newly married, maybe your spouse still works. Like right. you can, you have a little bit of time to like, you have this window where you can figure it out. And maybe if it doesn't work out by six months or a year, you could be like, okay, now I need, I like, I need a job. Yeah. But like, I, I don't know that I would have a month or two to figure it out. And also like when you're building your a brand, you're building a gym, like, it takes time from when you start that thing to where you're comfortable. Right. And like, I just don't have that time when I have the kids this young. So yeah. it's coming. I'm continuing to build, um, you know, hopefully some things can be worked on behind the scenes down the road. And so that transition is smooth where we can like be comfortable when we get there. Yeah. But I agree with you. It's like, why, why don't you <laughs> just do it? And like, yes, I encourage like when you're trying to figure it out in life, to like make that leap. Like I'm all for that. Um, I think there are outside factors at certain points of life where yeah. you maybe can't like make the leap as fast as you want to just because you have other people to take care of. 100%. It's like you said at, at some point earlier, it was like talking about kids, I think. Like how do you, you'll just kind of know, like you'll feel like yeah. something's missing yeah, yeah, yeah. or you, like you feel something internally. It's probably a similar thing of like, okay, I think I'm ready to yeah. do this. Or, or it's like, it's all about the right time, the right place, right people. And I think too, there comes a point in everybody's life with whatever job they're doing where like passion and happiness 
heavily outweighs any money. Yeah. And that's when people are like, all right, I'm doing this is because like maybe the job that they're currently at, they could pay you double and you still wouldn't be any happier. And it's like, nothing's going to make you happy until you like fulfill what you want to build in life. So I hear a lot of people in that situation, unfortunately. It's a scary, it's, it's scary to think about not being financially stable like that. It's a real fear, but it's like, I think until people come up with like that plan, that that leap seems very scary. And even when you do have the plan, the leap is still very scary yeah. because there's a lot of unknowns, right? Yeah. You launch an electrolyte, you're like, I don't know if anybody's going to buy this when I launch nope. it. I don't even know if anybody's going to buy and, them tomorrow. I don't and, know. <laughs> and now you don't even fulfill them out of your house because you've gotten so big. Yeah. Like, that's cool. Yeah. It took you a year to get there. Yeah. You know? Five months, but you know. Sorry. Who's counting? <laughs> Just kidding. Time's irrelevant for me. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, dude, this has been this has been a blast. It's awesome. fun getting caught up. Likewise, man. We'll um, have to do it again soon. Heck yeah. What's the uh, best place or best way for people to connect with you? Well, I've been way less active on social media, but um, my Instagram handle is just Adam Clink. I think I have a YouTube Adam Clink, but I don't really post on it. You think? <laughs> That's how I know. Coming from somebody who creates content for a living, like I'm not going to think. But yeah, I uh, it's been nice not having any brand deals and not having to post for a brand. Yeah. So I post like once a week maybe now. Um, but yeah, at Adam Clink, you can stay up to date with all things myself, my family, and Rad. Heck yeah. Beautiful. Thanks for coming on, dude. Of course, man. Appreciate it. See you later. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and share it with a friend. And thank you to our sponsors of this episode, 2before Performance Nutrition. Use the code JMiller for $10 off your order at 2before.com, and you can feel the powerful benefits of New Zealand blackcurrant berries. We'll see you in the next one.